All right, I'm here with Jason Carrera. He's the head football coach at Meadow Creek High School. And, um, you know, on my YouTube channel, Faster Production Studios, I call it, um, I, I've gone around interviewing uh, high school coaches, um, and I call it In the Mind of a Champion. So that's kind of what this is. It's just, um, it's just a podcast version. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we think we want to go interview the coach that's won a state championship. What are you doing? Uh, but a lot of times there's better coaches out there that are doing more with less. Uh, Jason's one of those guys. Um, he went to Meta Creek three years ago. I'm going on year five, so four, okay, years, four, four seasons in. Uh, we're getting old, so <laughs> years, years run in together. But um, he went to a program. Uh, were they winless when you got they there? They were 2-98 and 98 when I got there, 13-137. and 137. Two and ninety-eight. So you know, across the state of Georgia, like he probably was the laughing stock. Like, what is this guy doing? Why is he taking his job? What a what a uh, bonehead move for a football coach. But five years later, he's done a fantastic job. He's turned the program around. Um, and I want to talk to him a little bit about that. You know. So I think there's a lot of coaches in your situation, you know, they're, they're, they're either five and five or they're, you know, they're going into a new program that hasn't won. Um, you know, what, is one, what are the first few things that you did that you can uh, think in your mind to, to uh, turn the program around that you think is the pe other coaches need to know about? Well, um, the main thing was, you know, I felt like that these kids deserve the same opportunity that any kid deserves. They deserve a great experience of playing high school football. And that's what I tried to deliver to them uh, was a great experience of playing high school football. And in that, we basically created some excitement around the program because I gave them things that they didn't have in the past. I gave them the, the support that they didn't have in the past. Put great coaches around it. Um, I had great support from our administration. So I was able to get six coaches in the building, six good quality coaches in the building. And then uh, we had a staff of about 11 coaches at the time. And um, that was a, that was obviously an integral part of, uh, of our success. But when I, as I got into it, I saw that I had to become uh, an excuse eliminator for our, for our kids. Uh, all the kids seemed to have an excuse for why they weren't successful. You know, hey, I wasn't eating enough. Hey, I, was a, I didn't have a ride, uh, I didn't have the money to play, all those little things that seemed to be their excuse of not wanting to play or even getting good at, you know, at, at football. So um, we were able to do some things through uh, nutrition, some things through providing some rides for the kids, some, some going out and finding community sport, support to be able to help them uh, afford to play and uh, those type of things because I wasn't going to sacrifice having for them what I think they deserve. Uh, in my case, I'm in Gwinnett County, so I, I use this example a lot. I think a kid at Meadow Creek deserves the same things that a kid at Brookwood or Parkview or Mill Creek gets when it comes to playing football um, and having that experience of playing those sports. So I wasn't going to sacrifice those things. You deserve the best uniforms. You deserve the best coaches. You deserve you know, a great nutrition program and a great weight room and all those things. So I've had to go out and find that help in the community so that I could provide it. I may not provide it at the same level they provide it, but I do more with less. So, um, you know, going into, for the background for everybody listening to this, you're in Gwinnett County, which is a loaded uh, county of just amazing high school football programs. And you're going to a school that had gone 2-98. and 98, So they're the forgotten school. They're thrown over there. 
you know, uh, everybody, if there was a good football player, he's transferring and going to some, uh, a different school. So how did you get your hands around that? And, tr you know, you just, you, you talked about, I want us to be relevant and I want my kids to get the same thing. I mean, I mean, it seems like before, way before X's and O's, it's fighting that war and that battle. It's, it is fighting the battle of kids didn't think, well, you know, before I got there, okay, so 12 or 14 kids would come to summer workouts or you'd walk to practice on game week and there'd be eight or 10 guys at practice. Um, you know, and come Friday, there'd be 30 to show up to play. So um, it was, I started to hold them accountable. Uh, I started to try to make them understand that, you know, there are rules and, and those rules involve you being at practice and those rules involve you being at weight training. And, you know, um, one of the first things I told the uh, principal was, hey, I want to work lunch duty because I want to sit at the table and I want a football team table to where these guys know that I see them every day and I hold them accountable for one, eating, and number two, hey, I saw you today, or, you know, why are you not at weight training, why are you not at practice, whatever. So um, that was a big, big deal to me. I, I always tell this to everybody that I told the kids from the day I got there, I said, we will have arrived when we walk in the lunchroom one day and there's kids sitting at the football table and we turn the, foot, turn the table over and go, this is where the football team sits, don't sit here. Now, knowing that's never going to happen, and yes, I would have took the heat if it did with the principal, but that's what I was trying to instill in their head is, you have to make yourself relevant in the school and um, kind of did that through just letting them know and that, that there's an accountability factor of, hey, you got to come to football practice, hey, you got to work, you got to weight train, all those things. And I've done it a lot through providing them food, providing them nutrition. Uh, some of my coaches gave me a hard time when I first got there because they thought I was the soup kitchen down in the field house because kids were, were playing just so they could come get something to eat. But uh, um, a lot of times those kids weren't getting anything besides what I gave them to eat. So. Um, it worked, and uh, that was a big part of it, too. Well, speaking of that, those, to give everybody a background, uh, Jason is at a 7A school, uh, which I think in, in Georgia, that, that, that's, that enrollment's, what, 2,000 and up? Yeah. Th those 7A schools, 2,000 and up, you're a 7A school, but um, your Hispanic population of your school is... About 72%. 72%. So... And, and we all know, and I, I think the first Hispanic, or maybe it was Asian American, was taken in the NFL draft. But we know Hispanics, they don't grow up playing football. You know, but at North Gwinnett, all those kids that go to North Gwinnett, they grow up playing football. So you're at a school, and you really, you really have 3A numbers. Right. So you're trying to compete at the 7A level, really with a population of 3A football numbers. Exactly. So... Um, that being said, you also are at socioeconomically a very low um, economic level. What, what is we're, that? We're, so we're 72 percent at 20, about, about 3,200 kids in a school, 72 percent Hispanic, a little over 90 percent free and reduced lunch. So that gives you an idea where the socioeconomic status is. I mean, we we you know we we charge a football fee, but I give them ways to recoup that football fee. Right. So in other words, I'm not really asking them to come out of their pocket for it. I ask them to work the concession, parents work the concession stand. I work them to, ask them to do work day. And then I have a person who, um, you know, that I've gone out in the community and helped provide funds to me, but I ask my kids to go to him to get help with their, with their fees. But then in turn, they're asked to eat lunch with that gentleman once a month. Um, they're asked to do some things, uh, um, community service and some different things to kind of earn it back. So I use it as a tool to try to make the kids better, 
um, preparing them for what they're going to do outside of life. Um, so uh, just trying to find those factors that, that they'll help the, help the kids overcome some of those, I just call them excuses because, you know, they don't want to go home and ask mom and dad for $550 to play football because they know mom and dad didn't have it because mom and dad's complaining every month about the bills. Right. So they're not going to go ask them, so they're just rather not play. So I try to eliminate that for them a lot. Right. Now, I do teach them accountability and find them different ways to work it off. Or, you know, I still ask them for it every day and, you know, uh, try to hold them accountable for it. You know, a lot of coaches, um, you know, if, if you're in a winning program or you're a program that's won championships, it, it's really, um, yeah, you can think you're a good coach, but you have really good players. Like, you know, I know Dabo Sweeney is a great coach. But three of his defensive linemen went in the first round of the NFL draft. Alabama, Nick Saban's a great coach, but ten of his players were drafted this year. And and you know, any any major top program, whether it be high school, college, or the NFL, they have the best players. Um and so you know, you really what you're doing though, you don't those kids at the at the seven A level that are that are winning championships or compete for championships, they grow up dreaming about playing college football or mom and dad taking them to this trainer and that trainer taking them to this game and that game. What you have to do seems to me at Meadow Creek, not only do you have to uh, get them to play football, but you have to give them a desire and a vision that you can actually be good at this game. They didn't grow up with anybody telling them that. They didn't. And that's and I found that that's one of the things you run into is you spend a lot of time on kids in the, you know, when they walk into the program in the ninth grade and you try to teach them uh, a love for the game in the ninth grade and tenth grade and teach them the weight room and show them the gains and the things that they can do in the weight room that's going to make them stronger and speed and agility and making them faster and all those things. And one disadvantage we may have is a lot of times it's – late in their junior season or even into their senior season before it even clicks. Um, we had the leading rusher in the state of Georgia two years ago in Chauncey Williams, and Chauncey was a mediocre, mediocre back his junior year um, and uh, um, really worked hard going into his senior year and uh, had some success. And he probably, if he wouldn't have had this success, he probably, no telling what he, he may not have done well at all, but he had some success the first couple of games, and it just kind of clicked with him that, Hey, I can rush for 250 yards a game or 300 yards a game. So, yeah, you're building that. You're building that desire for them to love the sport and want to play in the sport. Because you're right, those kids, you know, GFL, Gwinnett Football League, is, you know, is one of the largest youth football leagues in the in the country. Uh, you know, those kids are playing day in and day out, going to all these tournaments and Disney World and all these other places for football. And those are the guys I'm competing against. These guys that have been together. These teams that have been, I keep hearing about teams at North Gwinnett or teams at Brookwood. And, Parkview that have been together for eight years and won all these championships and doing all this. And here I am trying to teach a guy to get in a three-point stance or take a snap or, you know, teach him what a pylon is or whatever. So um, it's, it's tough. Right. And in Grayson in Gwinnett County? Grayson's in Gwinnett. You know, for you guys listening, Grayson, I always think it's funny, like Grayson has like 30 Division One prospects. I'm like, man, they're number twos. Got to have a Division One offer, and they're sitting the bench it's crazy that um, – and that's that's what Jason's up against. He's And, and these kids, like he said, they grow up and they, they are taught to live, eat, and breathe football uh, in that county. And he's competing against that. Um, you know, and so I think probably, you know, if, if a guy wants to become a head coach or you want to be successful, you got to have your administration behind you. I would imagine going to a school that's 2-98 – 
there you might have had you probably had to teach your administration how to support you um they might have you know talk talk to people about that yeah and, and i get lucky in my my administration my my um principal uh played college football so he kind of gets it a little bit um and um so it was easy to go in but you know we went in we we laid out a three-year plan we laid out a five-year plan and and, uh, you know, I, I felt like I had a plan going in, and that's kind of one of the reasons I took the job. Um, you know, I felt like I've been around enough. You know, I spent, you know, six, year, six years here with you and saw how you built the program here at Eagles Land Christian Academy and, you know, and, and seen other people build programs and felt like I had the formula to go and build a football program. And with the help of good administration, that could happen. So um, getting them support to support what we were trying to do um, through through and through the weight room, through the classroom, um, and then through having great coaches, and you know we we've been able to go to camps, which is something they had not done in the past. So the help of fellowship of Christian athletes have just you know been a tremendous help to us to be able to get to some camps that we haven't been able to get to in the past. But um, it's really it's really come down to a fact of teaching our kids to be accountable, teaching them to do the things. You know our mission statement is to create great fathers, great husbands, and great contributors to us competitive sport of football. And that, in the end, that's, a, that's, that's the bottom line. Um, and so if I stick to that plan every day, um, then hopefully Friday night's going to take care of itself. And we've always talked about this, when each day in the classroom, the, the weight room and the, and the football field at practice, and then Friday night kind of takes care of itself. So we've kind of built it on the weight room, built it on the classroom, built it on you know coming to practice, and then hopefully Friday night's going to take care of itself because you're going to be a little better off than that guy across from you, and you're going to be able to beat him. It's funny, you know, thinking about Chauncey Williams, who uh, had the uh, state rushing record, you know, probably, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and, and I don't think, I'm not saying any high school coach in Gwinnett County recruits or cheats. It's really just the people on the periphery that are, hey, you need to go here, you need yeah. to go here. I, I don't think the high school coaches really have any say-so or, uh, you know, they're, they're not out there doing it. Uh, but you have these handlers, these these people of the youth football teams, and telling them. I would imagine that Chauncey Williams was not one of the best players in Gwinnett County, or he would have never been with you. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's and that's one of the things I fought, and I and I pat my coaches on the back, and hopefully the job that we've done since we've been there, in the fact of loving on these kids enough, providing the things for them so that they really look at another place as not really an opportunity because, hey, I've got everything I need here. I've got great coaches. I, I, I've, got, I've got a great weight training program. Uh, they provide for me most everything I need. We work hard to try to, you know, to, try to work with the colleges and, and, and uh, you know, get them as much exposure as we can. And So we try to, again, I go back to the same experience thing. We have to do our job as coaches to provide them with all that stuff to, so that they don't look at some other place like, well, Look what they've got over there. Maybe that's where I want to go. So I think, you know, we've had a couple kids leave us. Um, it's never worked out for those kids. I mean, right. they left for a reason, and, and it didn't work out where they go. So I think that's a little bit of our success, too, is trying to hold on to those guys that wouldn't normally go somewhere else. So, right. Um, we work hard at that and take a little pride in that to, to try to do that and, and obviously create an atmosphere that, you know, there may be a guy look around and go, hey, I, I want to go there. They're doing a great job. And, and you know, it's uh, you know those things always work out too. I tell all people all the time. I'm going into spring practice this week, and there's probably because of our transiency, you know, there's probably four kids that or five kids that will start for me in August, and I don't even know who they are yet. 
right? Because they're going to move in just because of the number of apartments and the transiency that we have. So again, we fight. You know, I tell my kids all the time, listen, hey coach, I'm moving. They always come to me, hey coach, I'm moving. I said, well, everybody in the school sometime in the next 12 months is going to sit down and talk about moving because everybody's on a 12 month contract where they live. And you don't know that for sure. So you play hard until the moving truck moves up, pulls up, and then we'll talk about you moving. But otherwise, just keep playing. So, and most of the time that works out, and the kid ends up staying or talking to mom and dad into staying because they want that's where they want to graduate from or whatever. So you just kind of overcome those things. Yeah, um, you know. So your first year there, picking up a team two and ninety eight. How did y'all fare your first year? We were three and seven the first year. We we. Um, Beat a couple guys. You know, we, I, I feel like we, we we beat Rockdale, which was a big win for us. They had, they had gotten in some, you know, I, your truth is the truth. They got some trouble the week before and had a few guys not play, and it turned out to be great for us because we, you know, we, we were able to get a win out of it. Scored, right. scored a bunch of points and and uh, ended up uh, uh, beating um, – uh, uh, wasn't Cross Keys. Uh, golly, the name slips my mind. But then we were able to beat Duth, Duluth the last game of the year, which was a big deal for us to beat Duluth. You know, being in the county um, and getting an opportunity to beat them, so um, it was great to you know to win some games, score some points, which, which we haven't done in the past. So um, it was really a big deal to do that. Now we came back next year and went one and nine at a really small senior class. Um, just really, you know, didn't have the Jimmys and Joes to really right. go out and, and win some games. But uh, uh, the next year we were able to start the season six and zero. Um, went to the playoffs for the first time in school history. Went seven and four. Uh, beat Central Gwinnett in order to make it into the playoffs, and uh, you know just had a had a great season. That was Chauncey's uh, senior season. He, you know, obviously, you know, a guy rushes for twenty two hundred yards and thirty touchdowns. He's going to help you out. But so uh, beating Central Gwinnett was probably the biggest win in program I, history. I, first time we'd ever beat Central Gwinnett. A huge win right. for, for the program. So very big. And then this past year we started the season six zero again. Um, uh, broke all scoring records for you know for a season. Uh, Game average, defensively, uh, all those things, and just had a great season and missed out on the playoffs again. But I take pride in, you know, I know there's those big four, you know, that we're going to play at each year. You know, Central Gwinnett, Parkview, Brookwood, uh, Norcross, those guys in our region. But I take pride in the fact that I think there was a time where the Meadow Creek bus pulled up at those stadiums and they were trying to figure out how not to score 75 or 100 on them. Um, and now – this past year, we were in some of those games, you know, and early in the game. I'm not saying late in the game, early in the game, but we were actually had some competitiveness to us. And trying to teach our guys to go out and fight and battle no matter who they're playing. Um, again, same thing you guys are teaching out there, those life lessons that you're teaching through football. You know, we're just trying to do those things. Um, so, you know, you take you take your team, um, you know, you take them from, from two and eight to, to six and four. Do you think – what what are your goals and aspirations moving forward? Um, even though you're at a complete disadvantage, you know, like we talked about earlier, um, you know, do you do you set goals like, man, we want to win seven or eight games, or is it just, hey, let's be the best we can be? I, and I, I, one thing that I think I felt like we've done a good job at is we take it week by week. So you know, we t- we try to fight our battles week by week, and um, I really don't. You know, obviously we want to go to the playoffs every year. Obviously we want to win the most games we can possibly win. But, man, it's so much about – it's so much about overcoming the daily battles of culture and the things that our kids are up against and trying to teach them 
the difference between right and wrong and what they're doing in the classroom and what they're doing at home and what they're doing away from football and who they're hanging out with and all those little, those, those are our battles, man. Our battles aren't those guys we're playing. It's really, really those battles. And, right. And if we can win those battles, then we're probably going to win some football games. So it's kind of the way I look at it. And uh, um, uh, to get these kids to buy in and see them change and, I've got a lot of outside support. I've really seeked out some different people. And I, you know, I told, I, I've got three guys right now that are really working hard on the culture of our football team. And I kind of told our kids the other day, I said, it's amazing that a year ago I didn't know these three guys. But God understood that these three guys needed to be in our program. And he put them in our program because he knew we needed them and he knew how they could affect our program. And they've done that. Right. So that part has just been amazing to me that, We've been able to put some people around our kids that are helping to change the, the way they think um, and the way they perceive things. So all that's been good, and in the end, that's going to help us win games on Friday night. But no matter what, to me, the great thing is less kids are getting in trouble, less kids are having problems at home, less kids are having problems with whatever it may be in the classroom or whatever it may be outside of home. So those things are big victories to me. I'm sitting here listening to Jason talk and looking at him, and uh, Jason uh, taught me, he, he made me very aware not to wear Under Armour and Nike at the same time, you know, so now I have to wear <laughs> Nike all the time, or everything has to be Under Armour, and, and that's all because of Jason Carrera, and I'm looking at him, and he has a Foot Joy hat on. Did you know that? It's my bad, man. <laughs> it's Titus. I'm sorry. Everything else, that. I was looking at it. Everything's Under Armour, but, oh, Titus hat. It's got an FJ. Yeah, this foot joy, but. Anyway. Oh, yeah, well. So that's, uh, I was, yeah, so that's one thing I learned from him. Now, now I can't even, I can't even look at people without noticing what they're wearing. But, um, you know, in saying that, you know, at, at the single A level, there's this huge, you know, debate you know, like the, the the private and the publics and the unfair advantage and this and that. And I think it's kind of crazy, you know, and obviously, you know, uh, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I think about you, like you're the one that could gripe about the unfair advantage. I mean, here you are playing at the 7A level. I mean, I, I would say uh, the hardest level of football in the country, high school football, because uh, Georgia is just a beast of a state in football, and then the 7A level, and, and the Graysons, and the Colquitt Counties, and the Brook, you know, all those teams that you have to play. And then, you know, I, I like your perspective. Like, it's, it's not about beating those teams, it's about teaching your boys to conquer self. And, you know, I think we, we, we just teach kids the wrong things when we sit around and you know, we try to manipulate every situation so that we can win a worldly championship when we, we should, and it sounds to me like you're being more focused on creating champions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and listen, guys, I, I, I talk about our story and I talk about what we're doing. And man, I don't discount it because every one of you guys are fighting that fight out there every day. And if I, not, if I can ever say enough to hopefully somebody hears me to say, man, I know I'm doing the right thing for my kids because I'm trying to keep them out of jail and I'm trying to make sure they get fed and I'm trying to make sure that they that they have a great high school experience. I mean, in the end, that's what I'm trying to do because I do have kids in jail right now and I do have kids that are in extended state hotels and I do have kids who, who need a fatherly figure, a godly figure, somebody in their life that can try to help them out. Um, and um, that, in the end, is what 
most of us are out here doing. And, uh, you know, I, I know there are guys out there chasing state championships every day, and that's all they think that's, that's the greatest thing. But And hopefully on the, on the path to doing it, man, they're, they're, they're affecting these kids like you are. And I, I know where you stand, and I know the things you're teaching your kids. And, yeah, you've got these trophies that are up here, but, man, you're teaching them a whole lot more than that every day. And that's, in the end, that's what we're about. And I never try to act like, woe is me, I'm at Meadow Creek, this is what I'm up against, because I know I've been around – you know, you guys, and I and I know what you do, and I know everybody out there is fighting the same fight. So, um, man, everybody's just got to keep doing that because these kids need it. That's right. Um, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about X's and O's. I know that when you and I were together, um, you liked to throw the ball, and, you know, you played quarterback in high school. It's, you know, it's just it was in his DNA. And, um, and so now, you know, uh, through your head coach experiences – um, you and I talk all the time about different ways to run the football. You have not one time taught, showed me a good pass. You keep showing me runs. And I'm like, man, this guy's really changed. Um, how, how is that? Why is that? Um, I, think, I think it's just come down to knowing where, you know, what does is, what is running the football do to your football team? It creates toughness. I mean, it, it creates it creates great toughness toughness in your football team, which hopefully that translates to, to you know to wins and losses, to having a great defense and all those other things. But um, you know, I do go back to passing the football, and a lot of bad things can happen, <laughs> and um, especially when you don't have a great quarterback. And um, but if you can teach a guy, you know. I'm not a big trick play guy. I use this example all the time. I don't like trick plays because why am I going to sit here and run hook and ladder 15 times and waste 30 minutes of practice running hook and ladder when in that 30 minutes I could have ran power 27 times because I'm going to run power in a game 15 times. Right. And I may run hook and ladder in week eight once, but I'm going to spend all this time teaching them how to do it. Now, do we do that every once in a while so the kids have fun? Absolutely. But I'm going to run power as many times as I can possibly run it in practice. And I'm going to run counter as many times as I can in practice. And I'm going to run gin as many times because that's my bread and butter. And um, so I think I've just seen the success you can have through running the football, the success you can have for your football team, uh, the way that you get a lineman bought in to be able to run those type plays, um, you know, creating some excitement around those guys. I mean, how many, how many tackles or guards are excited about pass set? None. How many of them are excited about pulling? I was a lineman. How many of them are excited about pulling and knocking the crap out of a linebacker? A lot of them. So they have a lot of fun. So, um, you know, you create some excitement around those guys. And, and just, um, you know, there's so many creative ways to put a guy in a bind running power um, and running counter and running jet that it's it's really effective. So I just kind of translated into that. And, and then guess what? If you do that really good, then – you may hit somebody over the top on a play-action pass. So. Right. You know, I saw um, – I think as high school coaches, I think we have to be on guard. The high school football game is so much different than the NFL game, so much different. Um, and, and, and what we want to do is, is try to steal – and we want to steal what the NFL is doing. And I even think it's dangerous for college to steal from the NFL because I, I, I believe I've never coached in college. I would just imagine because they're getting the kids you and I coach. It's it's an extreme difference. You're dealing with a professional, and you're dealing with it, and then you're dealing with a child. But um, you know, one of my big things is to keep the game simple. You know, and and so my kids know how to adjust no matter what. But to do that, they they're you know they're not NFL draft picks. 
So they need to rep things a thousand times. An NFL athlete should not have to rep things a thousand times. He should be able to do it. That's why he's in the NFL. But a high school athlete, you have to keep it simple. What's your philosophy on that, both offense and defense and special teams, about keeping it simple? Um, I mean, maybe you're complicated, but what do you think? Not complicated at all. I mean, I'm gonna, I've got those few run plays. Like I said, you keep hearing me say jet power and counter, and that's what I want to be very good at. Now, am I going to run some inside zone? I, absolutely, because I want to line up in trips and see if you put five guys in a box, and yeah, I'm going to run inside zone. But um, I'm going to keep it very simple. I'm going to rep it, like you said, as much as we can possibly do it. Uh, you know, when we were here, we started doing jet period, and it's been one of the best things that I do to, to be able to help you know, run a jet or we gonna, you know, on Mondays we're going to have a jet period for, you know, 15 minutes and we're going to run jet left and jet right and, and, and get good at it. Teach some physical, teach your receivers how to be physical right. and block and all those things. So, yeah, we're going to keep it simple in the fact that everything we do is going to be very simple. I don't need, I don't need to see something I saw on Sunday or something I saw on Saturday and be, and spend a bunch of time on Monday and Tuesday, put it in when I may or may not even run in a game but I know I'm going to run power, so I better work that. Because right. if it's if it's third and three or it's or, or, or it's fourth and one, I pretty much know what play I'm running, so I better work that. So um, I'm going to continue to work on those things. And then that translates to, to defense when it comes to coverages and blitzes, and then especially translate to special teams. And, you know, I've tried to, you know, we spent some time when we were here, and, you know, uh, we did a lot of things on special teams and, and – and uh, been some other places that we did a lot of things on special teams, but kind of come down to figuring out that, man, you better, whatever you do on special teams, it better be, your guys better be able to understand it and better be able to run down the field and not really think about a whole lot but making a tackle or staying in their lane. Outside of that, they, you know, they need to be able to get it done. So, yeah, keeping it simple is, you know, a big focus of it. But like you go back, like you were saying, it's, it's repetition, um, believing in what you believe in. I think, I think you and I both believe in very strongly what we do offensively. Um, and uh, we think it works, and that kind of translates to the kids. And you know, no matter what it is you believe in, if, you know, if you believe in the you know the wing tee, or you believe in the spread and throwing it a hundred times, whatever it may be, as long as you believe in it, a lot of times you can be effective with it because that's translating to your kids. Um, all right. So the last question I have, you know, I started doing inter- these interviews with coaches because. Uh, when I was 23, 24, 25 years old, maybe 24, 25, and I and I was get, I was getting into coaching. Now I was looking up everything I could find, and you know, and and you know, like Coach Hyder down at Valdosta, nothing. He couldn't find anything. I, I got one email that was about two pages long of, of something he had written, and then um, I read the De La Salle coach's book, which was gold for me. Um, and uh, but I go in there and I try to find some stuff about him or you know his his coaching philosophy. But I can't find anything, um, and and there's just not much out there on high school football coaches. And so I, I, I do this because I'm like, what what if there's a 24, 25 year old me out there and he's seeking information? And we got all these great coaches and and we got YouTube and podcasts. I mean, it's, it's we should get this information out. So. There's a 25-year-old out there, and, and he's a humble guy, hard worker. He wants to be a head coach one day. What is your advice to him as he climbs the ranks or wants to climb the ranks? Don't get in a hurry. Yeah. Number one, I'm going to tell you, don't get in a hurry. Find a great head coach to work for, somebody that you can learn from, somebody that you can, you can find the negatives and positives about and learn from what he's doing and spend a lot of time doing that. 
Um, you know, I take the good things that I hopefully I do, I've learned from other guys. It's not stuff that I really came up with. I've learned so much from you here, you know, working with Kevin Willie at Stockbridge, you know, great things that I learned from him, Mike Rozier over Henry County, and just learning from those guys and learning from the people that you can be around and, and, and just immerse yourself in trying to get out as much as you can and see what other guys are doing. Um, you know, when I when I hit the ground in Gwinnett County, the first thing I did was pick up the phone and call three coaches there and went and sat down with them and say, how do you do it, what do you do? Um, you know, I'm not too proud that I'm not going to go try to find something from somebody else. And Hey, I may have walked out of those rooms and gave them one idea that they didn't know, but I'm going to go try to talk to guys that are doing it right, talk to guys that are having success, uh, talk to guys in the same situation I am and see if I can find one idea. Um, always going to go to a clinic and try to find one idea, not necessarily one play. I'm not looking for one play. I'm looking for one idea that's going to help my football program. And, um, you know, have a plan. Have your plan. Have it on paper. Have your mission. Have your vision. Know what your know what your plan looks like that you're wanting to try to implement, and stick to that plan, and have have a lot of confidence there. The guy, the guys that have some of the least success are the guys that change all the time. You know, I hear, you know, I hear story of the day about a booster club had to buy a coach an offensive system so that he could run an offense his offensive system, and I'm like, and you're buying an offensive system off the internet. I mean, how good is that going to be? It's not yours. You didn't come up with it. It's not what you believe in. You're just something you call. I, I don't. I, I just didn't believe in it. But maybe all you guys out there are buying stuff off the internet that you run. I don't know. I needed to uh, figure out how to make an offensive system that people need to ask their booster club to buy. That's an expensive system. No kidding. You might get sell something for a thousand dollars. No I'm gonna end this with a prayer for Jason, um, and uh, we'll be done. Lord, we're coming for you today. Just want to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. Praise and thank you for Jason and uh, what he's doing there at Meta Creek and how you're using him to impact the lives of uh, of boys that need strong, positive male role models in his life. We praise you for, um, he talked about three men that, that he desperately needed in his program, and, and he didn't even realize he needed it, but you you knew. Uh, and Lord, we praise and thank you for those men. We pray that you would just continue to bless those men as they pour into the lives of the boys uh, there at Meadow Creek. Um, and Lord, I just praise and thank you ultimately for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross for our sins. Um, Lord, so we can have eternal life uh, in heaven. So Lord, no matter what happens here on earth, we're not all going to win championships. We're not all going to win games, but we're all winners in Jesus Christ. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.